I'm your health coach, Melissa Lee. Here at Thriving with Nourishment Health, I provide women with the resources to reclaim fertility and celebrate periods through the lens of functional medicine. It is time to empower ourselves with natural solutions over band-aid medicines. We will get to the root cause of symptoms to see the bigger picture. Let us find the ability to heal ourselves, get back to Mother Nature, and live in a healthier world. Hi everyone, say hi to Dr. Alan Wong, a naturopathic doctor and founder of The Joy Avenue. Alan works with women to transform their overwhelm, worry, and anxiousness into calm and confidence. She had her own personal history of having negative self-talk, reaching burnout, and having high-functioning anxiety. I have her on the show today to break down what high-functioning anxiety is, how we can avoid burnout, and why our internal thoughts are so important for healing. So welcome, Dr. Allen. Oh, thank you for having me, Melissa. Really excited to chat about this. I feel like burnout is... um, you know, a lot of people are feeling it or a lot of people are on the train to burnout, but they mm-hmm. don't know. And mm-hmm. also, I'm very curious to know your definition of high functioning anxiety. <laughs> so what was your own story with anxiety and burnout? Yeah, so I, I think high functioning anxiety is one of those things that, so, so let, me, let me backtrack and say that it's, it's technically not an official medical diagnosis so like anxiety is an official medical diagnosis burnout is now an official medical diagnosis high functioning anxiety is a term that ends up um capturing the people who have symptoms of anxiety but are high functioning and so what will happen is typically if you go to your your doctor and you express that you have particular symptoms, they will probably ask you a bunch of questions to diagnose whether you have anxiety. Mm -hmm. One of those questions is, um, do do the symptoms or the way you're feeling interfere with your day-to-day life? So for example, it could mean that, um, you know, you are prevented from going certain places or making certain decisions to do certain things uh, because your anxiety affects you. Okay. This question is actually a pretty crucial question because the majority of doctors will then use that to gauge how serious your anxiety is. Because if you are feeling anxious, but you are going about your day-to-day life with no interference, then they may feel like, well, it's not that serious because you're going about your day-to-day life. There's no change. If you're, how you're feeling is interfering with the decisions that you make and what you do in your day-to-day life, then it, it, it's more serious, right? So right. the thing about women, a lot of women who do have this kind of umbrella term of high-functioning anxiety, what happens is that they they have feelings of anxiety and a lot of the symptoms, but because they're high functioning, they keep pushing through. They keep working harder. They keep compensating for how they're feeling by doing more and being more and trying to like incorporate more things into their life. Now, are these type A women? They're very type A overachievers, usually very successful. Mm -hmm. And so then 
if you think about it, if you compensate by trying to do more mm-hmm. every single time, then you end up on the road to burnout because there's no other option, right? You're just going down that right. path. So for if people are wondering whether they have high functioning anxiety, the way I usually summarize it is like, you feel like you're kind of living two lives. On the outside, everyone around you would say that you're you're calm, you're confident, you know, you're high achieving, you are super helpful, you're organized, you're hardworking, you meet all the deadlines, you're the person that people go to for support and if they need something done, right? Mm-hmm. But on the inside, what this person is feeling is that they are struggling with the inability to relax. Their mind never stops. They're mentally, physically exhausted, even if they get enough sleep. And they struggle with like perfectionism, imposter syndrome. They have a difficulty saying no. And a lot of the mental chatter that goes through their mind is negative. It's a lot of, um, you know, what would other people think about me? I'm not good enough. So I need to I need to do more to prove that I am good enough or I'll never be that successful. So, you know, there's a cycle of I'll I'll never be successful. So I better work harder. And then that working harder makes them feel like, well, why do other people not have to work as hard? And I have to work. That must mean I'm not good enough. And then there's this kind of cycle of the way you think and then the way you compensate um, by always doing more. And so you could imagine years and years and years of this, which is what I went through. Mm -hmm. um, It does lead to burnout because you're constantly trying to do more and be more for everyone around you. And so with my own journey, um, you know, I, as a naturopathic doctor, I had a lot of the the tools from the naturopathic perspective. I also um, saw my own doctor um, to take a look at how I was feeling from a conventional perspective. And I remember my doctor saying to me, like, you know, like maybe you feel anxious, but you're doing really well. And so like he hesitated, he was like, well, I could give you a prescription, but I don't really, I don't really know if you need it because you are doing well. And the problem was that like, I was doing well, yes, but I was also driven to do well because I had all this negative self-talk and all this imposter syndrome and all the stuff that I was struggling on the, on the inside. And Mm. so I, I, I mean, again, years and years of this, and I ended up in the hospital for ultimately what really was just burnout, not just burnout as in like, it's not serious, but it's just, they couldn't really find anything Mm -hmm. um, wrong per se. Uh, And it was just like complete, complete exhaustion and not taking care of myself. Wow. I love how you painted that picture of sort of a conflict or contradiction between what people show on the outside, like women with high functioning anxiety and then Mm -hmm. all the internal struggle inside. Um, Because I mean, I think the biggest source of stress is actually our internal thoughts on a daily basis. Um, Also, thank you for explaining, you know, how doctors actually decide if you need a prescription or not based on Mm. that, like one question you were talking Mm -hmm. about. Yeah, there's there's like a questionnaire. They'll they'll rank the severity of all the symptoms, but ultimately what they want to know is, is it affecting the way you okay. live, right? So Got if it. you're feeling super anxious and you've all these things, they may start to, I mean, the decision tree ends up kind of being, well, maybe your heart palpitations are actually related to something else. Maybe it's not anxiety, right? Maybe mm-hmm. there's other medical 
reasons and they will go down that that path and maybe trying to see if there's something going on with your heart, trying to see if there's other things going on. And and maybe there is, right? And it's important that you investigate that. But I find yeah. that with a lot of the women who are more um, your high achieving women, your high performers, yeah, they just tend to push through. They're kind of like, oh, forget it. Like, I'll just like, I'll just push through. I'll just, I'll just work harder. I'll just do more. And then it, it goes into this vicious cycle that becomes very hard to, hard to break. Do you find like these women are also because they are also juggling like housewife duties or mom duties, like, you know, for those many who of want them kids. Are. Okay. Yeah. Many Got of it. them are juggling yeah. a busy personal life. It may be kids. It may be household. It may be their parents, right? They may be like, right. taking care of their parents, but often these women, because they're such high performers, mm-hmm. even their friends are, rely on them. It, right. Like the, these are the women that you automatically think of if you need help if you need someone to listen to you if you want someone to rely on these are the people that um that you think about Mm. going to to ask for help and so because they are so good at doing things and getting things done it doesn't it could be their kids it could be their friends it could be siblings it could be their parents but people around them tend to rely on these women wow that sounds like a lot of pressure both externally mm-hmm. internally mm-hmm, for sure so when it comes to high functioning anxiety someone's listening to this and it's like oh my god I think I'm this person um, what aspects of health do you actually help to you know address first I think the, so the way I I would approach um, high functioning anxiety is yeah. that if there's several aspects of it so the first aspect is that you have to be able to address both the, what I call the root and the branch. And so if you think about it, a branch um, would be something like the symptoms that they're currently experiencing. So it could be that they have trouble, um, they have trouble with sleep um, because their, their mind isn't stopping or maybe um, their gut health is really affected by their stress and their anxiety. And yep. maybe just the fact that they put self-care and nourishing themselves the last priority, right? Um, and so th- these are like the gut health and, and, and like making sure they're nourishing themselves and dealing with the, the exhaustion and dealing with the sleep. These are mm-hmm. the branch symptoms. These are all the things that they're experiencing. But ultimately what is driving a lot of these issues is the thoughts that that are going through their mind. It's it's exactly like mm. what you said. The biggest stressors we have often are the thoughts that are going through our mind. And so, for example, if you like, I know you do a lot of work with with um, kind of eating healthy and nourishment and all that gut health. And so, mm. if you think about it, somebody somebody may be, uh, let's say, not eating well. Okay because they're always on the go. They're always like working hard. They feel like there's so much on on their plate. There's so many people relying on them. They have all these projects. And so they put taking care of their dietary and their nourishment at the bottom of the priority, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can talk to them about how do you eat better? How do you make better food choices? How do you carve out time in your day to make sure that you eat? So those are like branch symptoms. But if you think about it, why are they putting everybody else's 
projects and deadlines ahead of their own health. That is a thought. That is an internal thought that they believe that maybe they're not worthy of a healthy life. Maybe they don't believe that they can create healthy habits. Maybe they are so worried about failing and doing badly in other people's eyes that they mm-hmm. put all of those things first instead of taking care of themselves. And I think we know a lot of women like this. I think sometimes we are like that. We are so worried about making sure that we take care of other people's things that we put ourselves last. And part of putting ourselves last sometimes is not taking care of how we eat and making space to actually digest our food and eat properly and pick nourishing foods instead of just whatever's fast and easy, right? And yeah. so when you take a look at someone with high functioning anxiety, I think you have to to, uh, to approach both the, the symptoms that they're feeling. So, oh, my digestion is off. So maybe you would do something to help them, but then you also have to deal with the root, which is the root cause of why is your digestion off? Well, it's because you're not putting yourself first. It's because you don't believe that you deserve to live a healthy life. You don't believe you can build a healthy habit, right? So these mm. are like both aspects that need to be dealt with at the same time. And it goes the same for sleep. Like it's easy to talk about sleep hygiene. And it's not that these women aren't intelligent enough to understand sleep hygiene, but then why do they not dedicate time to winding down and having a good sleep hygiene? And why are they worried about checking their email and responding to work things at 10 o'clock at night? Right? Like both of those things need to be addressed. And so, so I, that's why I talk about dealing with it from like a root and a branch perspective. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing we have to take into consideration is that um, for women with high functioning anxiety, there's the behavioral stuff. So not taking care of yourself, not eating well, um, you know, not being able to relax, things like that. But behind it, there's also a lot of mental, emotional things. And all of that needs to be addressed as well. It's all those negative thoughts and how it makes you feel, right? The I'm not good enough, the feeling guilty, the feeling um, that you shouldn't put yourself ahead of other people. The I'm not good enough. Like all those negative thoughts and feelings that come along with it. I think all of that needs to be addressed at the same time. Um, Because otherwise, again, you, if they internally feel bad about Mm -hmm. putting themselves ahead of other people, they will never sit down and relax if they feel like there's something they could be doing for someone else. Right. Okay. Right. And so, so yeah. No, go I ahead. Mean, what, you, what you're painting sounds like a very circular thing. And that's why you have to address both at the same time. <laughs> Otherwise, it doesn't actually kind of propel them forward. In that mm-hmm. I think it's also why a lot of habits don't stick. I think it's very easy for people to be like, well, I, you know, it's New Year's and I'm going to, I'm going <laughs> to have a resolution. I'm going to sleep earlier and I'm going to eat well. And then you teach these women how to set smart goals. Like we talk about all the time. And yeah. I think those are important. I think, I think you just, just saying I'm going to eat well is not a good goal because what does that actually, what does that actually mean? Right. But we have to like mm-hmm. break it down to actually talk about what eating well means and how far you are from your goal of eating well, because you can't just be like, well, I don't eat well at all right now. And I'm going to eat perfectly. Like there's, you can't, you can't do that. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we talk about setting smart goals and I think that's important, but I also think it's really important to then address why is it hard for this person to eat well? Mm -hmm. I don't think it's because they don't understand. I think 
most of these women know what it means to eat well. I don't think we have to talk about eating fruits and vegetables and drinking more water. I think people know that, but why can't they commit to it? What is it in that moment where they can choose to take time to prep a meal and then they choose to do something else instead? Like what is the driving factor behind that? And I think that is, that is a crucial point that needs to get addressed. I love that. I feel like you're digging way deeper into like the behinds of like, you know, like if someone has a craving, we're, we're usually like when we coach someone, we're like, okay, why do you actually have that craving? Like what's behind that? And I feel like mm-hmm. you're doing the same thing with women who have high functioning Absolutely. Um, anxiety. Absolutely. So, you know, you talked a lot about mindset. Like, is this like kind of the main way you're addressing the mindset piece, kind of breaking it down and asking mm-hmm. why? Yeah. So when I work with women, like I said, like I, I will work on that. Um, like I will work on that surface level feelings that they all have. Like, so if you're feeling yeah. really anxious and you come into my office, I'm not going to say, well, we're not going to deal with how you feel. Let's <laughs> dig really deep first. That doesn't work, right? People right. want to feel better. So there's lots of things we can do to help people feel more calm and there's mm-hmm. strategies around that. But as we do that, I also want to know what is that underlying thing? It's, it's got it. You have a great example, like cravings. It's, it's all, it's an interesting thing. Like people are like, oh, I always crave whatever chips, salty things, sweet things, chocolate, whatever. But, and we can talk about that. Like, okay, it's, it's fine that you have that craving. What's behind that? Like what is underneath that? And I think it's the same thing with habits. Like I feel, I talk to women about this all the time. It's like, oh, I'm going to sleep earlier. I'm going to eat healthy. I'm going to exercise. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because fundamentally what I will discover as I work with these women is that they actually have a belief that they never stick to anything. They're like, they actually believe that about themselves. They're like, I just don't stick to things. But if you have that belief about yourself and you walk in to set a new year's resolution, yeah, you're not going to stick to it because you fundamentally do not believe that you are someone who can stick to a healthy habit. You fundamentally do not believe that you could live a healthy life. And I actually have women, as we do a lot of these exercises and we get into the the root of what they're thinking. Yeah. A lot of women will share with me that they just they just they don't believe that they can live that lifestyle. They're like, "Oh, other women can be healthy. Other women can eat well and go exercise. I'm just not like that." Mm. But if you fundamentally believe that you're just not like that, none of the habits that you add into your life are going to stick because you fundamentally don't believe you will. And so you will find ways without you even realizing to sabotage your own progress because you don't fundamentally believe you can live that healthy lifestyle. And I think that's a, like, it's a, it's a, it's a thought and a mindset piece that has to be addressed because mm-hmm. otherwise it doesn't matter what you tell them or what I tell them, they won't, they won't do it. They won't stick to it for a long period of time. Also, I think it's like the energy that comes with that thought or that belief mm. that comes um, you know, it plays out in like someone's actions or like their commitment levels. So when you were talking about that, I also had in mind, like, you know, some, like I've, of all the women I've worked with, I've worked with people who are like really believing that they can heal and then they do mm. fantastic. Mm. And then someone else who's like, okay, I'm just going to try this out. But I, I actually don't really like commit to this because they don't believe that they can get well or like, yeah. that's not their priority. So, I like that you yeah. said that as the energetic behind it. I think that's really right. true. I think it's the energy you put behind something. And so if mm. you aren't wholeheartedly putting your energy behind 
committing to self-care. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many blogs you read. It doesn't matter if people buy you the most beautiful things to do for your self-care. Mm-hmm. You're not going to do it because you're the, you're not wholeheartedly believing that this is something that you, you think you deserve even, right? I, I see that in women too. Like I don't deserve to put myself first. It's, it's good people put other people first. You know, you're a good mom. If you do everything for your family before you do something for yourself, you're a good wife, you're a good partner, right? Like we, we hear and see these messages a lot, Yeah, I think. And so it's a mindset piece and it's an energy piece, like you said, that has to get um, addressed or else, again, it doesn't matter how many bubble baths you buy for this person, they're not <laughs> going to do it. Yeah, that is amazing work that you do. Like, I think the figuring out the mindset and internal internal thoughts and like figuring all of that out is just very deep um, and can be overwhelming for some people. So if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I get that. Uh, but are there, you know, any like specific foods that can help me with anxiety at the, in the meantime, some, you know, like rapid relief to kind of get me calm in the first mm-hmm. place? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think it's really interesting. More and more the last little while, I think we're starting to realize how big of a connection our gut health is mm-hmm. to our mental emotional health. And now there's so there's a lot more research out there that's starting to talk about that connection, that gut brain connection. And we yeah. know we have a nervous system in our gut. And we know that that nervous system responds to the nervous system that is what our brain is a part of and they communicate with each other, right? And so that's why, you know, a really good example is like when people feel anxious, they may say like, oh, I have butterflies in my stomach. It's true. You actually have a sensation in your stomach because you have a nervous system in your stomach that's responding to the thoughts in your brain and vice versa. Mm -hmm. And so gut health, I think, is a crucial part um, of working with anyone who has um, any mental health concerns, whether it's anxiety or depression. And so for for me, with respect to... um, I think it's both. And I'm sure this is something that you talk a lot um, to your clients as well, but it's partially what you eat and partially how and when you eat. So there's specific things like I'll always say like, you know, like berries, especially berries, because they have so many nutrients in them are a great way to incorporate um, into your diet. And so that's great that you eat lots of fruits and vegetables. We know that um, dark leafy greens have a lot of nutrients that actually, um, that have that have nutrients in it that are beneficial for all the chemicals and hormones that your brain needs to help you make in order to feel calm and have a healthy, happy mood, right? Mm-hmm. But one really important thing that I would say is that yes, berries, like people will say, well, I'll make like a, berry smoothie in the morning with some greens. And I think that's great. But you also then have to think about the fact that berries are higher in sugar. Now it's healthy. It's not like an added sugar that's not healthy. But what will happen is if you put a lot of sugar in your body, even if it's natural sugar, you can cause a spike in energy, but that sugar also gets broken down and absorbed very quickly. And then once you use that, you'll have an energy crash. That energy crash can make people feel exhausted and that dip in blood sugar can then make people feel like they're anxious. And so a really important thing to do is then balance it with 
something that has protein, right? And so mm-hmm. we can talk about eating things like fruits and vegetables, especially dark leafy greens and berries. And then I will say then make sure that you are having a healthy protein with that. And so healthy protein for some people can be eggs. It can be tofu. It can be nuts and seeds, right? Nuts and seeds and legumes also have tons of B vitamins and magnesium, which is also really important for helping people feel calm. And so on my list of recommendations includes things like um, uh, again, like berries are a huge one that I'll often recommend. Um, spinach is a really healthy one or any kind of dark leafy green, um, again, because there's so much magnesium in it. I also will recommend oatmeal for people who can tolerate oatmeal. I think that's also really important. Um, again, lots of, um, lots of good, good nutrients in it that can boost happy hormones in your body. Um, dark chocolate is another one that I'll recommend because I think (laughs) I think people I think it's I personally think it's not um it's not always realistic to tell people not to eat dessert right like I think that's part of what we what we want to eat sometimes and I think if if it comes down to it I tell people like if you really crave something sweet after dinner again we'll talk about why the craving is there but if you do want something then dark chocolate is a really good option um the flavonoids in dark chocolate are really healthy for you um it's good for blood pressure it's good for heart health and it also there's a lot of magnesium in dark chocolate as well and so again like it's 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 a good option if you really want dessert but you have to make sure that you have at least 70% um, dark chocolate. Mm. Got it. So that's another one. Oysters, I also, it's on my list of recommendations. Not everybody really likes it, but oysters has a lot of zinc in it. And zinc is also really important for our mood. So um, you don't really like oysters. Cashews have a lot of zinc. Like that might be an option. Eggs also have a lot of zinc in it. That's an option. Um Healthy seafood is also always on my list. So sardines are a recommendation of mine. I know not everybody likes <laughs> sardines. Um, if that's too fishy for you and it's not something that you love, then I would say um, anything that's like a healthy, uh, healthier fatty fish with lots of omega-3s. And people will often ask me like, what is a good fish to eat? And I would say, um, you actually have to look that up because what I want to balance is that you have a fish that is healthy in omega-3s, so lots of healthy fats, but you also want to make sure that it doesn't have a lot of mercury in it. Mm -hmm. And so that actually is very dependent on where you live and where the fish is sourced from. So different areas in the world will have the same type of fish with different amounts of mercury in it. And so the best way to do is actually look that up for your own area. What is like low mercury fish? You can also look up low mercury fish and there's resources online that are more universal because there's some fish that just, they're, they just tend to accumulate less mercury dependent Mm. on where they are in the food chain. Um, So you can look that up and that's also really uh, beneficial. I think, um, Coffee is one that is on my maybe list. I think some people respond well to coffee and it's part of their ritual in the morning and it helps them feel calm and get their day started. But obviously some people are very sensitive to coffee. And so that one's really dependent on how you respond to it. So if you drink coffee and it makes you super anxious, obviously don't drink it. There's lots of other um, 
There's so many options right now. Yeah. Alternatives. Yeah. What are some of your favorite recommendations for alternatives for coffee? I like dandy blends, um, Mm. mushroom coffee. Yeah. It really works. Adapted, you know, adaptogen teas or. Yeah. Um, even like sometimes green tea or genmai cha, I feel like yeah. there's a roasty flavor. Yes. I love that. Yeah. The genmai cha is one of my favorite ones mm-hmm. too. I'll also <laughs> recommend matcha if people can tolerate it. So right. matcha is one of those same thing. Like some people drink it and feel really anxious and some people yeah. don't. And I think mm-hmm. matcha is a huge source of antioxidants and that's a really good one. But if you don't react well to matcha, I think genmai cha is also a really yeah. good one. It has a nice flavor. I really like that roasted. I do. I do like roasted it too. flavor. Even like hojicha is a really yeah, good one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Roasted leaves. Yeah. That's another really good one. <laughs> I think I'm going to have to pick your brain about the mushroom blend <laughs> okay. coffees because I've tried a couple. Yeah. They taste very mushroomy to me. <laughs> I like mushrooms. I think they're very healthy. Yeah. Somehow mushrooms in my coffee haven't really been a good mixture for me. So I'll have to pick your brain to see which ones which ones you really like. Um, what else is on my list? Oh, fermented foods. I'm sure you talk a lot about this mm-hmm. um, for gut health as well. So uh, any fermented foods have a lot of really good bacteria in it. And I recommend that as well um, Got it. on my list. That's a great that's list to start with. Like fatty fish. I've heard some spinach, cruciferous vegetables, yeah, um, nuts, seeds, some oatmeal. Um, yeah. And then in berries. terms of beverages, yeah, berries. Yeah. In terms of beverages, it will be like, either coffee or if you don't tolerate coffee then all the other alternatives yeah coffee actually is a it's it's interesting it has a really bad name to it like people are like coffee's bad for you but like (laughs) coffee's actually super healthy there's a ton of health benefits to Mm -hmm. coffee now if you drink coffee with like six teaspoons of sugar in it like that's a whole other conversation right like but like coffee in and of itself is actually a super healthy beverage but again if you can't tolerate it then obviously yeah. don't don't have it and there's alternatives to it I like the I like the suggestions you had a lot I think those are really really good ones <laughs> well personally because I don't drink coffee that much because it mm. makes me jittery so mm. I drink a lot of matcha and I'm a, I'm a more of a tea person um I, I just don't metabolize it very well yeah it's I very like individual smell, but yeah, yeah it is very like some people can like go to bed <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's true some people can drink coffee and go to bed and have no mm. problem and some people just yeah. don't so I think it's a very individualized for sure. thing to to think about I'm not, and I'm kind of hungry now that we're talking about all this <laughs> delicious yeah, <for> food <laughs> okay so moving on from foods I love mm. how this conversation like we talked about mindset and you know we talked about like some foods that can actually mm. help with anxiety in the first place um just kind of wrapping it up here do you recommend your patients to go see a therapist at the same time while working with you or is that kind of just you know up to the person I I usually always recommend some kind of mindset approach So if they choose to work with a therapist or counselor, I think that's great. If they want to work with me on that, I think that's also great. But I usually open up the door and I'll say like, you have different options. Yeah. These are what those options look like. What works? Mm -hmm. What do you think would work best for you? I think I personally think you cannot treat anxiety only from a physical perspective. I just, I don't think that's possible. I think anxiety has a lot to do with what you're thinking. Just like you said at the beginning, how a lot of that stressor comes Mm -hmm. from how we think and what we think. And I think addressing anxiety from simply a physical perspective isn't necessarily going to give you the long lasting results that most people 
um, want. And I don't think, and this is, so this is, I mean, it's a good question. I think there's no judgment. Like some people are kind of like, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to deal with my mindset. I just yeah. want to feel more calm. I think that's completely okay. I think if that's where you are and that's what you need, then that's what you should get, right? Your mm-hmm. healthcare is, is, is in your hands. It's your choice, how you want to approach it. For me, I usually will say to my clients and patients, like, that's fine. If that's where you start, I want you to know that my hope is that we'll get to the point where you feel comfortable enough that we start working on the thoughts because ultimately that's, that's where the anxiety comes from, right? Like it's, it's never about the situation. It's always about how you think about the situation. And so, so yes, we can give you things to help you feel calm in the meantime. I think it's really important though, that at some point in that journey, um, we address the thoughts behind it. Well, I love all the work that you're doing right now. And based on our conversation, I feel like you're actually really helping women get to the root of the anxiety. Um, also, you know, on a step-by-step basis based on their mindset and their mm. uh, internal thoughts. Um, if anyone wants to work with you or find out more about you, where can they find you? Yeah. So um, lots of information on my website, drellenwong.com. If they um, want to take a look at the different offers or different mm-hmm. ways that I can work with people. Otherwise, you can also connect with me on Instagram. Um, my handle is at the Joy Avenue. I, all, I promise I reply to all the DMs. So if you have any <laughs> questions, you can send me a message um, and, and um, yeah, let me know. And I'm happy to answer any questions. I also try to do my best to provide a lot of value around talking about anxiety and mindset and wellness so um if you follow me on social media you'll also get lots of lots of tips there awesome i'm going to put that all in the show notes um thank you so much for your time today i really had a good time talking with yeah you. thank you for for inviting me to be on your show and i love the work that you're doing i think you're helping a lot of people um from a very very specific point of view but i think it's a very very important um perspective thank you well same to you <laughs>